Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. We're going to start sharing one review on our iTunes every single week. So if you're listening to this right now, go to iTunes and write a review. What do you like about this podcast? I'm going to choose one review every week and add it to the new podcast as a thank you for listening. So if you want to be featured, if you want me to give you a shout out during the podcast, you're going to screenshot your iTunes review and then share it on Instagram, tagging at Show Your Scars Podcast. I'm going to repost those and choose one person to shout out on the podcast. And that person also is going to get a special prize of a refocused man that says Show Your Scars. So I hope you guys go rate and review. It is like our oxygen. It keeps us going. It keeps us helping to find new people to be on the podcast. So we really appreciate it. What's up, Show Your Scars? I am really excited to bring you guys somebody that is very near and dear to my heart, my good friend, Ellen Bellino and Dr. D. Felice. Now, we've done one other dual podcast before with a physical therapist and an athlete. But this one is a little bit different because after talking to Dr. DeFelice, I connected Ellen and him about a year ago, almost exactly as when Ellen had her ACL repair surgery with him. And it was really successful, so much so that we're having this podcast and talking about not only what Dr. DeFelice has done in that year, but how Ellen recovered in that year and the differences that she saw, because get this, you guys, she tore her ACL in high school and had it reconstructed on her right knee and then tore her left knee and got it repaired. So she talks a lot about the differences in the processes of reconstruction versus repair. And Dr. DeFelice goes into all of the things that I love nerding out about from the physiological standpoint of why your body recovers differently, the differences between a reconstruction and a repair, and even into the depths of saving your own nerve tissue. So then your body knows, your brain knows how to connect um, that nerve ending in your knee, in your ACL. It's still the same. It's a really interesting conversation and I loved having my good friend Ellen on the podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Here is Ellen and Dr. DeFelice. Welcome Ellen and Dr. DeFelice. I'm really excited to have you guys. Um, I'm excited to talk to you for multiple reasons, Dr. DeFelice. We talked on a podcast about a little over a year ago about ACL repair and then it just so happened that I got to meet somebody in my life that had heard the podcast and went to you. So I'm going to first start with Ellen and I want to get a little bit more into who you are, Ellen, and let the audience know about your life and kind of who you were growing up, your background, and if you played sports, what that looked like um, in your childhood. Awesome. Yes. My name is Ellen Bellino and I'm 25 years old. And growing up, um, I was pretty much avid into every sport. So the big ones were soccer, volleyball, um, running track, and then always skiing, hiking where I could. So 
all-around athlete, I'd say, and I continued playing club volleyball in college and then kind of like intramurals post-college. Um, and yeah, moved to Denver about a year ago and was an avid skier and hit the slopes and unfortunately hurt my knee and that's kind of how our um our paths crossed it did and um before we start talking about how you meeting dr d felice and how we met each other and all that um you actually tore your acl back in high school do you want to tell everybody about that a little bit more and what that process was like for you yeah definitely so i tore my left acl playing volleyball um let's see it must have been like 2008 and I was actually misdiagnosed. And so I kept playing volleyball. They told me I was okay. Kept playing. I was about halfway through my season. I kind of came down on it the same way. Heard the click. Heard the pop again. Um, got misdiagnosed again. They told me I was still fine. And so I went into play club volleyball. And it just felt off. I wasn't in a ton of pain, but it just didn't feel right. So I went in and saw an orthopedic surgeon. And he said, oh, yeah, it's definitely torn. Um, not only is your ACL torn, but I had torn my medial and lateral meniscus as well. Um, so he said, you know, probably because you kept playing on it, you continued, you know, to tear things. And so I went in and I got a ACL reconstruction. He actually used a cadaver ligament to replace my ACL. And it was just really, really rough. I mean, I, it was a little bit different because I had the menisci tear as well. So I couldn't put any weight on it for the first couple weeks. Um, but just rehab in general, I mean, it was, it was brutal. It was taxing physically as well as mentally. And I would say it took me probably like eight months or so to really feel comfortable with all my movements. I actually did an additional couple months of intense physical therapy because I knew I wanted to go back to volleyball and I wanted to go back strong. Um, so I did a lot of physical therapy. And to be honest, at the end of all of it, I was probably a year out and I just did not trust my knee still. I decided to stop playing volleyball and I started running track instead. That's kind of when I switched like my athletic career in high school because I just liked really, I was so afraid of tearing it again um, and really couldn't trust my knee even though I had gone through such intense physical therapy for so long. Really interesting points you make there because I think that that's a lot of feelings that people have is um, how do I retrust my leg again? And, you know, sometimes it p allows us to pivot and do something that maybe we've never done before, like run track or um, pick up a different hobby. And that can be beneficial to us to regain kind of our belief in ourselves and like how we can do things that are scary, right? That it can be scary and we can overcome it. And you actually did, as you said, got back to playing volleyball eventually. You played club volleyball in, in college and got to do a lot of activities that you really like to do, which brings us to um, that right knee of yours and moving to Colorado. <laughs> and, um, you know, it wasn't very long into you moving to Colorado that you had an incident with your right knee. What happened there? Hey, Jordan, can I weigh in a little bit here? Yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot to learn from that first experience so we can compare it really nicely to the, to the repair experience. And I'll try and be brief here so we can concentrate on the, the next story. Um, she had a tear when she was a young girl in high school, which is very common. We're seeing a lot of that now. And it was misdiagnosed, and so she kept playing on it. And this happens many times because people tear their ACLs. They don't realize it. They think, hey, it doesn't hurt that much. And I thought an ACL was supposed to hurt. So they go back to play. They, they, they tough it out. And then what they do as time goes on is they keep re-injuring their knee, and they tear up those menisci. 
Um, so that is a very, very common scenario, which is uh, important that conservative treatment for ACLs in young people is not the best choice. The next point I want to really just briefly touch on is that she said that uh, she felt uh, she went through about a year before she went back to do stuff, but she didn't feel that confident. Right. There's two important learning points there. That is, uh, by the, she had an allograft reconstruction, which is using parts from a dead person to replace the old ligament. And that's generally one of the faster recoveries because you don't have the morbidity of taking a graft. And even with that uh, allograft, she still took a year uh, to recover and she didn't feel so confident. Which brings me to the last point is about feeling confident on your knee. And a lot of that, you know, we think about, well, you're, you're gun shy, you've been through stuff and, and you really don't want to get injured again. But there's also more to it. When we do reconstructions, we chop out all of the native ligament, anything that's left, because as surgeons, we were taught that the ACL can't heal. But what you do when you, t when you chop out the the remnant of the ligament is you take away all the nerve endings. And when I see patients in the office, I explain to them the difference between reconstruction and repair is that when your brain calls down to your knee in the background of your, of your life and says, Hey, how's it going down there? After you've had a reconstruction, it gets a deadline. There's nobody answers. And so you're forced to make decisions as to where you're moving and where your body is based upon your visual line of sight uh, adaptations. When you repair the ACL and you keep all those nerve endings, your knee feels completely normal because all the nerve endings are there. And when the brain calls your knee, it gets somebody picks up the line and says, hey, everything's okay down here. So those are just a couple of points I wanted to make, and then you can get into the next part of the story. No, those are great points, and I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad that Ellen mentioned that uncomfortableness because I felt it too. I had two allografts, and neither one felt like it was my knee. And, um, you know, unfortunately, Dr. DeFelice, we didn't meet when we, when I, I wish I would have met you is before that first surgery and maybe I could have had my ACL repaired. But um, even now with getting my own tissue in a, a bone patella bone graft, I like feel like my knee feels like at least it's my knee again. And there is even a, a weird um, difference in my brain and how I feel like I can feel my knee and it, it just feels different and I I guess it's part of that what, that you're talking about is it is your tissue and um, maybe is that is that possible too even with a tissue that's not your own ACL well I think what happens is with the BTBs the patella tendon grafts is they tend to be a little more stable what we've found and through what we call deep data dives where we study um, big insurance records and thousands and thousands and thousands of patients is that um, allografts tend to have a higher failure rate uh, when they're used in the younger patients. And we didn't know that before. We thought that it, everything was okay, but in analyzing uh, tens of thousands of patients, what we find is that the revision rate, the failure rate after allograft in patients who are under 21 years of age tends to be two to three times higher than if you use the native tissues. So it may be that your knee's a bit more stable so that mm -hmm. you sense that it's under you and you feel more confident.
Yeah. In addition, in addition, I think over time you you kind of regain some neural connections. All those things are uh, are kind of the black box that we don't fully understand. Right. Well, it's really interesting, and I think those are all good points to bring up. And um, a lot of things, I know that when Ellen and I have talked through her two different um, ACL tears and how she has chosen to get one reconstructed and one repaired, how that has really um, been something that she's noticed. So um, all that insight is so important, I think, leads us in back into Ellen and how um, you know, she just, you just moved to Colorado, you don't know a lot of people, and you hit the slopes, and it was like game changer for you. Yep, hit the slopes, hit them hard, and we had a bad ski season last year, so now I'm totally regretting it, because it's way better this year, but um, <laughs> hit the slopes hard, and I went down, my ski didn't come off, you know, unfortunately, and I felt my knee bend in. It was honestly a completely different feeling than I had felt at my left knee. Um, it was more of like, instead of a pop, it was more of just like a little click and it definitely hurt, but didn't, um, didn't feel like I had torn my ACL. Like it was a totally different sensation than in my left knee. And so, you know, had ski patrol come up and bring me down and went to urgent care. It took unfortunately way too long to get an MRI. So I wasn't able to get an MRI that weekend. <laughs> and the doctor was like, oh yeah, keep skiing. I think you'll be fine. But I decided against it. So waited to get back to Denver, got an MRI and he said, yep, it's definitely torn. Um, torn pretty much right in half and we can schedule surgery for, you know, a month from now and, you know, we'll get you all patched up and you'll be good to go. And that was just, I mean, it was completely devastating news to me. Like, even though I don't play sports in college anymore, I'm a very active person. I love to hike in Colorado. I love, you know, doing like my fitness classes every day on the side. And I knew how daunting the first experience was, right? And I was totally scarred from it. And so I was just totally, totally devastated. Like I'm sure a lot of your listeners feel and a lot of people that have gone through the ACL recovery process feel I mean it just is so taxing on your body and even mentally it is just really really hard to go through um so I was just really down and out and then had a mutual friend um that randomly knew you Jordan and she invited me to her bible study and we I came and I met you that night and you had mentioned briefly that you had some type of ACL support group and so I followed up with you and you actually sent me the podcast that you did with Dr. D. Fleece about a year ago. And so I listened to the podcast. I saw a shimmer of hope. And I literally researched everything there was about D. Fleece. I went on his website. Um, I read a couple of his papers. And on his website, it says, you know, if you kept or if you have a repair, if you have a knee that can be repaired, you have the best chances in the first couple weeks just because the ligament's still fresh in order to save that ligament. I'm sure Deflease can elaborate a little bit further on that, but I, um, I pretty much acted right away. I sent him my MRIs. He looked at them. He got on the phone with me. He had such a long, drawn-out, comforting conversation with me, which was so amazing. He looked at them, and he totally comforted me. He explained his method. Um, he answered all the questions I had, and he's obviously out of New York city and I was in Denver at the time. And, you know, it's a, it's a big decision to go all the way out there. Right. And to figure out who's going to take care of you while you're there and where you're going to stay. And he, I had a decision to make and it was kind of a quick decision an important one, but his prognosis he gave me was he said, I think there's about 50% or he said, there's a 25% chance I can repair it. 
a 50% chance I can augment it and a 25% chance that I will have to reconstruct it. And in my mind, a reconstruction just went from 100% to 25% and I was completely sold. Mm -hmm. So I booked surgery for the next week and I got on a plane and I, yeah. um, I went all the way to New York City and I met Dee Fleece that morning and we had scheduled surgery for that afternoon. <laughs> it's just like crazy when we talk about this because Dr. DeFleece, I don't know how much you know about this, her, her story with me and how it all worked, but it was like so divinely orchestrated how everything worked out to the T. Like it yeah. was the day, it was like two days that you had surgery before it would have been three weeks after your injury, which was like still in that time that Dr. DeFleece likes to do his surgeries in. And um, not to say he can't do it beyond it, he can talk more to that, but it was like in that sweet spot still. And you had a friend, you had just moved from New York to Denver. You had a friend yeah. that was going to be away and you could live in their apartment. Like there were a lot of things that did go in your favor, Ellen. And it was just like that night I met you, I had just talked to Dr. DeFleece. And it's just amazing, like when, throughout this process, I really just believe that it, these things happen to us for a reason and we might not understand it, but like I got connected through Dr. DeFelice, I think to be able to share that there are other options for people and for you to be able to see how positively that impacted you and to go take a shot at it and um, for it to, to work was really cool. So uh, maybe from you, your perspective, Dr. DeFelice, when you saw Ellen and she came to you, um, how do you give that? And, and for the people that maybe don't know what you do in an ACL repair, maybe give them a little um, refresher on what that is. Sure, sure, of course. Um, you know, that whole serendipity thing, uh, there's something to it because yep. I've seen a lot of people who just randomly happen to meet someone who gets them in touch with me and then next thing you know, they skip the whole big surgery. Yep. Um, so which is it's it's kind of a fun part of it all because everybody who comes in to get the surgery becomes part of the study group and and we're basically tied for life and it's interesting too i'm just going to interject real quick too because i think probably you see it a lot too deflace is that people have always been told you need a reconstruction and i'd obviously gotten one i wanted to avoid it at all costs i had looked into i had looked into stem cell therapy i had looked into potentially not getting it reconstructed i said you know what if i just rehab it and i don't get surgery at all and i'm sure a lot of people will look at the alternative options and figure out what else they can do and like i said it was just by chance that i had heard this podcast and got to, yeah. to you deeply because i think you know the word is still spreading that there is this other option that is so much better that people might not even consider because they're just not aware of it Amen to that. You know, I, I look, I've, I just got done seeing patients today. I just saw six more ACLs in the office. So I've had this conversation six more times today. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, what I tell people is um, so many people come in who've torn one and then they tear the other and they want nothing to do with going through that again. And so they're very receptive, like you said, to trying other options. Now, um, currently in the majority of the world, there's, there's two options. There's either you treat it conservatively and see how you do, and that may mean c cutting out some of the fun stuff that you do because it's a little too aggressive and will result in you, uh, you know, shifting your knee and tearing up your menisci. Um, or the other option is to have the big surgery. So really, it's a binary choice. It's black and white, off and on. You get, you get two choices, do nothing or, and live with it or have the big surgery. And so the neat thing about ACL primary repair 
is for a group of folks who have a, a good type of care, a reasonable type of care, um, uh, and we can talk about which ones are reasonable. Um, it's almost like conservative plus. You know, it gives you an option that's a very small surgery with minimal downside risk, a quick recovery, and and it allows us to take some of those folks and get them to heal their native tissues back to where it came from. And that's really the best thing, right? You don't want to replace your tissues. You want to keep your tissues. Um, I'd much rather have the ones that I started off this life with than replacement parts. And so... Um, and so it's conservative plus in that it's not a big risk to you. If it works, great, and we win, and it's as good as it can get. Um, and if you happen to re-injure it or something along the line, um, we can always go do the reconstruction. We can always do the bigger surgery as a bailout. Um, and so, and you don't really lose much for trying. You know, uh, someone, one of the patients today said, it sounds like you get a, you're getting a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I, I thought about the old Monopoly get-out-of-jail-free <laughs> cards, and I thought I was going to take a picture of one and send it out as a uh, uh, one of those Instagram posts just because it was – it's kind of uh, it's kind of really appropriate. Like, yeah. even – you know, we, we've done now uh, – or excuse me, I, I've done – uh, I've been doing them for 10 years. I did the first one 10 years ago, and he's still doing great. Uh, I went really slowly for the first five years or six years. It took me six years to collect 25 patients or so. And, um, and then I started writing about them uh, and sharing that with my, uh, my orthopedic colleagues. And um, to be honest, it was uh, quite an uphill battle even to get anyone to listen to the story because as orthopedic surgeons, we were taught that the ACL can't heal. And we were taught that because back in the 70s, when they used to open the knee up with a 10-inch incision, they would look inside and try to stitch it together. Uh, and subsequently, they would put you in a cast. And then um, the surgery was 10 times worse than the injury. And, and at the end of all that, they looked at the results, 50% of them failed, and they said, you know what, the glass is half empty. 50% uh, failed, this is a random outcome, and we can't do random surgery. And so they abandoned the idea that the ACL could heal. Now, essentially the focus of my research, my clinical research is, what if you looked at the glass as half full? And you said, you know, look at all those people, 50% healed, Let's figure out what it is about those people and why they healed, and then we'll do the bigger surgery for the 50% that didn't that that didn't have uh, or didn't heal, and that's really the difference. They didn't look at it that way, so the whole idea of the ACL could heal went extinct, and then it was 20 some odd years or more until um, I picked it back up and and we reanalyzed all the data and and found out you know it wasn't that it didn't work, it's that it it just doesn't work for every type of tear. And so we found out and we looked at and we analyzed which type of tears were the ones that were the ones that were likely to heal. And it looks like it's the proximal tears, the, the detachment, when the ligaments detached from the bone rather than shredded in the middle, you have a fighting chance of reattaching it to the bone. And the great part is, is with all the modern advances in those 25 years, in, you know, we have MRIs so I can tell what type of tear you have. I've got amazing arthroscopic gadgets that allow me to stitch the ligament without having to open up your knee with that 10-inch incision. 
And in addition, we know that we don't want to freeze the knee in a cast. We learned that from Dr. Shelbourne, who did some great work on that in the 90s and showed us that we should be moving the people rather than locking them up. And because of that, we get you moving quick, and then you can recover tremendously fast from these surgeries because there's no graft, there's no tunnels, we keep your native tissue, we keep all the nerves, all the arteries, and we move you right away. So it's, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. And you've gone from, you said, 25 in the first five years to now over 200 patients? Oh, yeah. Now we're doing, we're closing in on 100 a year or more. Yeah. The, the volume's gone through the roof. Um, you know, it went from like 25 in the first six years, then we went to like 40, 50, you know, and now we're, it's just gone straight vertical. Cause and, and the reason it's gone vertical, uh, we've published more papers. So now uh, with my uh, research assistant, uh, Dr. Vanderlist from Amsterdam, and uh, Dr. Junker Gao, who did a tour with us for a year, uh, they helped us to write, uh, to kind of tally up all the results. And we've, we've published over 21 papers, about four book chapters. And um, I'm really psyched to say that ne next month um, in the uh, journal KISTA, K-S-S-T-A, which is essentially the European Arthroscopy Journal, uh, where uh, everyone shares their techniques and results, there's going to be a special edition of that uh, journal dedicated completely to ACL primary repair and all the different techniques that have popped up around the world, which is great fun because initially when I first presented my data, I said to the audience, I think half of them were sleeping <laughs> because they didn't think it was realistic to listen to. Um, when I presented my data, I said, my, my, my goal here today is not to tell you what is right and wrong uh -huh. and that I'm the greatest. My goal is simply to make you scratch your head, make you ask a question and start a worldwide discussion as to maybe, maybe we missed the boat. Maybe we should have many ways of treating the ACL and we should tailor the treatment based upon how the ligament's torn, not simply if it's torn. Yeah. And it's such a good question, I think, in all realms of life is like, just because something has been done a certain way, doesn't mean it's the best way to do it still. Um, it is an option and you're providing another option. I think that's, you know, I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into Ellen and your both perspective on why it felt so different. So Ellen, I want to hit on you first because um, maybe give everybody a, a sense of what your recovery looked like. So you get the ACL repair with Dr. DeFelice and then what was your timeline to getting back to what you feel like was maybe equivalent to that year mark that you felt before and with your other knee? Yep, yep. So he had originally said it was about a 25% chance of a repair. So mm -hmm. I actually thought it was going to be an augmentation. Dr. DeFelice can speak further to that, but it's basically using your your native tissue, but then also augmenting it with additional tissue or an additional graft. Um, so that's kind of what I was hoping for. And I was like, that's still better than a reconstruction. He was able, because I was a little bit between a proximal tear and a midline tear. I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> it was kind of like three-fourths the way was where my ACL was torn. Um, and so when I woke up, he told me it was a repair, which was amazing news because, you know, that was le less of the likelihood and not really my expectations. So that was amazing. Um, got up feeling good. The next day I went to physical therapy. I started getting it moving right away. 
Um, the day after that, I went and saw Dr. DeFelice again. I was feeling good. He drained my knee because I was only going to be in New York City about four days before I was flying back home. And then he, um, he checked me after the weekend. On Monday morning, I flew out that night. He was so respect, receptive and responsive. It was amazing because I was like, oh, my, my cat looks a little swollen. Is that okay? Can I fly? And honestly, it was just so, so supportive and awesome and responsive to just reassure me with everything. Obviously, it's a new surgery and it's one I had gone through, but, you know, in a different lens and in a different scope and um, got back to Denver and found a physical therapist in Denver. I knew from my first surgery how important physical therapy was. So really hit the ground ground running in PT. One of the cool things is um, Dr. Deeply sent me to a physical therapist the day after surgery that he works closely with. And that physical therapist told me, you know, not a lot of PTs will know how to rehab this type of tear, right? They're not used to it. Mm -hmm. They'll be a little bit more safe and they won't be as aggressive as you can be with this knee just because they don't understand the capabilities that a repaired knee can do. And they don't understand the limits that you can push it to. So the PT that Dr. DeFlace referred me to in New York gave me instead of it being week by week of, you know, you hit week two and then you can start doing this exercise. It was more of a, um, a test out template. So as soon as I was able to do certain things on my knee, I automatically went to the second stage and then the next stage. And he gave me a whole handout. So I gave that to my PT in Denver. And fortunately my PT just really followed along with that template. And, you know, he was like, wow, you're doing things in week two that I wouldn't even try until month two. Like it truly was, I think, profound just even to him of what I could do. And obviously he had always rehabbed ACL tear. So he even knew better than I did. Um, and yeah, just hit the ground running. Obviously did my PT every day because I knew it was important. And I got back to the elliptical at three weeks. At four weeks, I started doing some of the group fitness classes that I love to do. And then at six weeks, I was running. And I had told Deefelis before my surgery that I had a marathon in three months or a half marathon. And I asked him if I was going to be able to run it. And he was like, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like you might have to walk it. And I was like, okay, that's super fair. And so started training a little bit for the half marathon and upping my mileage every week. And I was feeling good, you know, getting some, some swelling and I would roll out and ice it and everything. Um, And then by the time the marathon came, it was actually at Zion National Park. The trail was super bumpy. I mean, it was basically like through farm fields and, and soft soft mud. And so as soon as I saw the track, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. It's so uneven. My knee will not be able to handle this. And I said, you know, I'll just run until it hurts and then I'll stop running. And it never started hurting. So I ran the whole half marathon. 10 weeks later, what? (laughs) Crazy. I mean, it's just, and and, and where did you, where did you place in the marathon? Yeah. Good. Yes. Dr. D placed. 40th. Yeah. 40th. 40th. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Insane. And um, I, I think some of the things that I want to hit on and, and maybe get your expertise on this, Dr. DeFelice, is um, swelling was less than normal. Um, you have less muscle atrophy because yep. you are able to do things. When you're saying you're go, going to and from therapy or to and from Dr. DeFelice's office, I think you're walking normally not maybe with one maybe assisted crutch i but walking um and and dr defleece i want to know why like why does that happen how come um from a physiological standpoint how are those things so different than reconstruction you know i I gotta be honest like when i first started doing this the whole thing shocked me too right because i was i I mean i did uh, acl reconstructions for the first 10 years of my practice 
And when I first started doing this, I was scratching my head going, these people actually look better sometimes than just a simple knee scope. And like, how can this possibly be? And the fact is, is that, you know, the body is, is magnificent. And when you, uh, you know, I, I, I say all the time, trust the body, trust the body. It's going to, it'll be okay. If anything can happen well, the body's going to get it done. And if you keep the nerve endings and you do a very small surgery and you don't harvest any grafts and you don't drill any tunnels, you don't hurt the patient or create a significant morbidity, we call it, then then there's not a lot to recover from. Um, so the body senses that everything's okay because it's getting good messages from the nerve endings in the ligament that it's on tension and everything's cool. And so the drama from the surgery calms down very quickly. Um, We've done a lot of studies where it, it, looking at, we, we track uh, all of our patients very closely. And uh, most, of, most of our patients are off pain meds in one or two days. Um, and yeah. in fact, fully one out of four patients take no pain medicine whatsoever. Um, and we're hoping to publish a study on that. Uh, dramatically different from reconstruction. Yeah. Most people have good control of their of their thigh muscles. So many people on that first visit, three or four days in, are walking in with the brace, no crutches, and they're like, "Hey, doc, I feel pretty good. My knee's a little swollen, but otherwise, I feel great. No pain." And um, now, look, not everyone. Occasionally, people have uh, struggle, but in yeah. general, that's kind of the mainstream. Now, most most folks have at that first visit have easy 90 degrees range of motion without even struggling. We take a little blood off the knee and oftentimes they're up to 105 immediately. Mm -hmm. So by a week or 10 days, a lot of people have full range of motion. And uh, we started that milestone-based uh, milestone based rehab criteria because people were moving so fast they just wouldn't listen to us. And um, a lot of times by six weeks or so, and very just like Ellen said, that you're able to run and you feel pretty darn good because you've actually felt pretty normal for about a month. Yeah, and you haven't and lost much of is, muscle because you've been right. Doing so yeah. and that's and so now look, I can look. I don't tell people to do this stuff. And yeah. uh, in the beginning, I was I was petrified because I thought, oh my gosh, you're going to rip your ligament off. But what happened is I learned and I learned from my patients. And as the years went by, more and more people came back at six weeks and said, Doc, by the way, I just went for a run in the park and I feel great. And no one came back and said, by the way, Doc, uh, I did that and now my knee hurts. Yeah. And it kept, and the more people I did, and, you know, we've, we've had, we've only had one or two folks who re-injured their ligament uh, at three, but at three months, one of them was drunk and fell off a picnic table, and the other oh, one goodness. was like the fifth, the fifth one I did, and he felt a little pop when he was walking down the stairs, and it was probably like a learning curve thing. But wow. subsequent to that, the only people who've re-injured their knees um, have been, uh, you know, a year or two out when they were playing sports for their second season or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so the people bounce through it really quickly yeah. and it, like Ellen did, you know, Ellen went to that, she went to the uh, marathon or the half marathon and she heard me in the back of her head saying, you know, don't do this, you know, and I, I didn't tell her to do it. But what happens is you start to jog and then you listen to your body. Right. And if your body doesn't hurt, you just keep going. 
And by three months out, I, we've had some people go back and play football. Wow. And they're fine. The, guy, yeah. the kid's eight years out. My, ne- my nephew went back and played rugby at four months post-op, and he's eight and a half years out. He's never had another problem. Wow. And you and, just talk and about – And so it's God. a fascinating thing. Yeah, it really is. Like, it, it is – you know, I'm just – honestly, I'm so thankful for you, Dr. DeFelice. I really am. Like, I tell so many people about you, but I'm just so thankful that you have – you know, the guts and the courage to look at things differently and try to change something that you felt could be changed. And, um, it's, it's really, it's, it's not only the the physical part of it, but it's the mental part of it too. Ellen, like how different was your repair compared to your reconstruction on a mental side? Oh my gosh, it was worlds different. I mean, just being able to do those things so much sooner, you feel like more like yourself, you feel more confident. Like you said, you don't have the atrophy in your muscle. Um, and just, I haven't talked about this yet, but the, the trust that I have in my repaired knee is worlds different. I feel like that's any takeaway that you should have from this podcast or from the difference in reconstruction versus repair. I mean, like I trust my repaired knee, even though it's newer on the surgery, you know, I have a one year versus a 10 year knee and I trust the one year way more. I mean, it feels stable. Yeah. I'm confident in it. I just, I, it, it never hurts me anymore. Sometimes if I overdo it on a day, my reconstructed knee, even though it was years and years ago, it will still be tight or I'll have some shooting pain. My repaired knee never hurts like anymore, no matter what I do. Can you speak to that? And so I've got some, yeah. I've got, oh, I totally can. I mean, this stuff gets me so fired up. I can't tell you. <laughs> right. Um, so we started collecting data points on, uh, from a thing called the forgotten joint score, right? So now think about it. If you're an orthopedic surgeon and uh, you want to know that your patient's doing well, you, what would be the optimal outcome? If you came in and I had done surgery on your right knee and I asked you at two years out and I said, which knee did we do? And you said, I can't remember. That would be the ultimate score, okay. right? Yeah, because you forgot your name. Mm-hmm. So what we do now, there's a there's a thing called the forgotten joint joint score, the FJS 12, and what it does is it asks you how many times you think about your knee during the day, uh, and it'll ask you say when you're in the shower, when you're uh, going up and down the stairs, when you're playing your favorite sport, and it goes through a series of questions, and the answers are never, almost never, rarely, occasionally, and it goes down as it's more common. And then you tally up the score and you get a score. If you score 100, you, uh, then you, you, never, you forgot your joint, right, and which, is, which is the ultimate score. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started collecting, and we, we were, we're going to publish a paper on this, and it's probably the first paper published uh, from ACL for forgotten joint score because it's mostly used for joint replacements. And, um, and what we've done is we've, re- we've compared 50 ACL repairs at two years out to 50 ACL reconstructions at two years out. Okay. The ACL repairs score on average 90 out of 100, and one out of three of the patients sco- score 100. What? The, the ACL reconstructions at two years score 65 out of 100, and not a single person scored 100. Wow. Right. And so the I data is it, seen my face. I know it's, it's unreal that this data, because that's not how we measure people. Historically, we've, all we do to this day, what we do is how fast did you return to sport? Okay. Then that's a check mark. Did you, did you have a re-injury? 
okay, that's a check mark. And so we assess people as to how, whether or not they re-injured. And that is not good enough in my book, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I've, taught, I've been in practice for 20 years. And if you have a room full of people who've had ACL reconstruction anywhere from a year to 10 years out, and you ask how many people don't think about their knee ever and have a show of hands, not a single person, or maybe five people might raise their hand and say, oh, I'm pretty good. But the majority of people have residual pain. They, have, yeah. they, they don't feel great. They, they, there's arthritic complications. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff that go along with the big surgery. Mm. And so um, imagine, you're, imagine you're me and you do six years of AC and you do 25 ACL repairs and you follow them out and you're like, oh my God, these people are doing much better than the ACL yeah. reconstructions. And then you see the patient come in who's in ACL reconstruction crying and they're struggling and they, their legs atrophied and it's two months out from surgery and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish, I wish you weren't struggling, but I don't know what to do except send you to more therapy. Um, imagine the difference in how much, if you were me, that you would want to keep doing more repairs. And so what happens is that I, I tried uh, to expand the indications more, and I developed the second procedure where if the, if the ligament's torn 80% of the way, for example, but it doesn't quite reach the wall, then I'll repair what I can, and I'll add a small graft to it. It's almost like a mini reconstruction. I call that primary repair with augmentation. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it keeps the native tissue. I pull it up on tension, but I sneak a little graft in there to reinforce it. And then um, the large surgery for me is a reconstruction, which where we replace the graft, or excuse me, we replace the whole ligament, and I still try and save whatever I can, but I only do that in one out of four patients. So in my practice, I repair 50 to 60% of them because I've gotten much, much better at it over the years. I can, I can take tears that I never would have thought about repairing, and I can stitch them back together, and then I... I augment about 20% or so, and then I only reconstruct about one out of four. And so I really use reconstruction. The the standard surgery that basically the standard of care, that's the only option for, for most folks out there, I use as my last option and my last resort, um, only if there's nothing to save. So it's kind of a spectrum. I call it ACL preservation because I'm trying to preserve as much of the native tissue as I can so that knee feels as normal as possible. You know, one other thing that that Ellen said about, um, you know, she had the other surgery on the other knee and she wanted to avoid that and she was looking for all the other options is people tell me that constantly. And, um, and so people are really going out there and looking around on the internet. And I'm glad that people, uh, we've got more, more uh, places like what you're doing, Jordan, where you can focus people so they can find the other options. But it's interesting. So ACL repair is not without risk. People can re-tear it. We've had uh, about 17 or 18 people re-tear their ligament over the years from playing sport. And I tell everyone this can happen. You tore your native ACL, um, but it can happen. And then they've um, 
they've uh, it's less than 10% of all the ones we've done. Uh, and it varies by age group because the younger people have a little higher failure rate, which is exactly uh, the same thing that we see with the reconstructions. But when I went back and reconstructed those folks and then I asked them down the line, hey, uh, tell me something. You had a repair which didn't work out. You retort and then had a reconstruction. Um, and that's kind of a bummer. You had to have a second surgery. If you could do it all over again, would you go back and do the reconstruction on the first go around? Every, almost every single patient I've talked to said, oh, no way, doc. That's crazy. Mm. That reconstruction was 10 times worse than the yeah. ACL repair. Okay. And so it's an amazing thing. I would think that, oh, man, I, it didn't work out. I had to have another surgery. Therefore, I'm mad at you. But in reality, that's not the way they feel at all. Right. And every patient who's had a recon on one side and a repair on the other has told me that hands down, without question, just like Ellen, the repair is feels normal like it never happened. Yeah, it's really so it's fascinating. It's so fascinating, and I know um, this is the only the third time you and I have talked, Doctor Deflace, um, really in length. But um, we go on forever and ever, and I want to before. Before we run out of too much time, I want to talk about this video you guys did with Arthrex, and they just released a video following Ellen around as she spoke about her recovery. And I just want to know quickly who they are as a company from you, Doc, and then Ellen, how that process was of them, um, of you telling your story with them. Sure, sure. So Arthrex is the worldwide leader in sports medicine uh, gadgetry that the doctors use. Uh, not only sports, but they also do a lot of stuff now because they've grown over the years. I started working with them basically my entire practice life. And as I've come along, they've come along and they're they're a uh, innovative company that makes the stuff that we use to help patients get better. And um, they've been with, I've been with them and they've been with me the whole way uh, making these, uh, these tools and instruments and, and imaging equipment uh, so that we can pull off these great wins and keep making advances in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So um, that's who Arthrex is. They're centered in Naples and uh, worldwide leaders in, in these, these, these uh, healthcare gadgets. And they came to you trying to make a video about what you're doing with repairs and how you're using um, their equipment. And you immediately suggested Ellen about her recovery and wanting her to tell her story. Was that um, a neat process, Ellen, and being able to tell your story with them? Yeah, that was so cool. So Dr. DeFelice referred them to me and they kind of um, had a preliminary call to just understand more about my surgery, um, you know, who I am as a person and what I had undergone. It was actually really cool because they had only done or they had only featured professional athletes. And so they had shown, you know, the comeback of a lot of pro athletes in various sports and how they used, you know, the Arthrex tools and how they came back to their own sport. And I said, well, you know, I'm just a normal person, so I might not be the best person for you guys to feature. And they said, no, I think you're the best person to feature because the majority of people are, you know, just your average, average people that are, you know, just trying to live their life and have a high quality of life without any pain and come back from surgery so that they can live their best lives. You know, you don't have to be coming back to a professional sport in order to want to heal the right way and feel good in your body and feel good feel confident and not have, you know, arthritis or any pain. And so they flew out to Denver and um, they wanted to just highlight kind of my lifestyle. So we went up to the mountains and we did some trail running, did some volleyball. And so they kind of just followed me around and filmed me doing some of the sports that I love just to showcase, 
the the great tools and the great work that Deflace is doing with them, as well as, you know, how you can get back to your previous standard of life, right? Like we talked about in reconstruction, mm-hmm. you have this awful ACL tear and then your life is altered dramatically, you know, pr- post-surgery, you have to start living more conservatively and do things that you wouldn't have previously done. And I really have a hundred percent been able to return to everything I did before my tear, which I wasn't able to do with my reconstruction. I can do that with my repair. So they they were able to highlight that um, very eloquently and they, they um, featured Dr. DeFelice and he gives a really great um, overview kind of of his repair strategy and what he did specifically to my needs to give kind of like a high level three minute overview of what the surgery is all about and real results with me, which is really, really cool. It, it's a really great video and I can't wait to share with all our showers, show your scars listeners. So I will tag it in the show notes. So you guys can all check it out. Um, good info from Ellen on there. And then also good info from Dr. DeFelice. And uh, before Jordan, we- last, uh, last smidge before you jump off there is just to touch on what Ellen said about not being a pro athlete. So many people ask me when they come in, Oh, well, what pro athlete has had this? And to me, it's like, like, does that really make a difference? You know, I take care of all athletes. And to be honest with you, it makes no difference whatsoever. This operation is a great operation for a 40 year old mom who plays tennis and who went skiing and got their edge caught when they were trying to keep the kid from going off the trail and pop their knee just as well as it is for uh, anyone else. It's not about what type of athlete it is. It's about what type of ACL tear you have. Uh-huh. And um, recently, uh, you know, one of my colleagues who I, and the other great thing is, you know, this is spreading worldwide. A great ACL surgeon in France, Dr. Sonnery Cote, picked up on my technique. He's an incredibly innovative surgeon himself, and I pick up stuff and tricks from him. He picked up my technique and did it for a patient named uh, Zuzu Lova, who was a skier. Three and a half months after she tore her ACL and was about to quit skiing, uh, she skied in the Olympics and 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 uh, um, she scored seventeenth uh, out of seventy skiers in the slalom wow. in the Olympics. Three and a half months That's after uh, ACL primary repair, so and cool. so it. It's just spreading like wildfire. Look, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. Everything can fail. Everything, you know, reconstructions do great. Reconstructions can fail. But this is a very, um, it's just another tool in our toolkit. It's very low morbidity. So you don't lose much for trying. And, um, and hopefully we'll just keep getting better and better and better at it as more and yeah. more surgeons try it and learn from it. And, and we go from there. That's how, that's how it all gets better, right? You will. Absolutely. And I just thank you again for all that you're doing. I'm sure Ellen feels the same way. Oh, yeah. um, and really quickly, before I let you both go, Ellen, I want to ask you one thing that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast that has scars um, is what does show your scars mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's something, honestly, I used to be ashamed of. And I think now it tells a story, right? Like that's a story that we covered today. It, um, it goes so much more in depth, you know, the highs, the lows, the outcomes. And ultimately my scars have made me so much stronger. And I really truly believe I'm in a better place mentally and physically than I was a year ago when I tore my ACL. Like I am, I'm now a fitness coach and I never thought that was even possible. So it's just crazy how, this has helped me almost readdress my body and my health and taking care of it in a whole new light. And 
I couldn't be more happy to have the scars I do. Well, I lo I've loved this. Thank you guys so much. It has been a fun conversation. Thank you, Ellen, for trusting me, referring Dr. DeFelice. And again, Dr. DeFelice, thank you for everything that you have done. Um, I can't wait for people to hear this. There you have it. Cool to hear both of them talk about each other, about the process of ACL repair and get into the nitty gritty of why ACL repair could be the new thing that people start to turn to a little bit more often. And for me, there is a big issue and Dr. DeFelice talks about it and it is on my heart a lot is why is this happening so much? and how can we reduce the risk of this happening. So you're gonna get a lot more of that from us at the ACL Club as we start to really look more into that. But if you guys haven't already and you are going through the ACL recovery process, go check out the process right now. It's a master class on the mental side of ACL recovery and it is worth every single penny. It's actually a steal. You are paying way less than a dollar for a piece of every piece of content. There's over 120 pieces of content that we've specifically curated for you, the ACL recovery patient, the athlete, the person that wants to get back and get back as healthy as possible. So go check it out, theaclclub.com, and you can click on the process there. It'll send you to the website, and man, this is great. Not only can you get it online, but there is an app that you can take it with you on your smartphone and stay involved wherever you go. I'm so proud of this. You guys, I'm telling you, it is crucial to at least think about the mental side. This is why I started the ACL Club, right? You guys are talking about all the hardships on the mental side. Well, this gives you tasks weekly to work through the mental and the emotional side. It's so great, and I'm so thankful for everyone that's been a part of it and all of you that have already trusted me and bought it. I can't wait to share some of the reviews that we have soon. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Really great information, and as always, I hope you go out there and show your scars with 